Jesus, have your way in me. Have your way through me. In Jesus' name. Oh, yeah. All right, y'all. May he be seated. I am stoked about our um, current series that we are in called The Jesus Effect. Um, we started it last week, and it'll probably continue until we're done. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. I'll be here all till 12. Um, <laughs> and uh, next week is Easter. Uh, wow. It's moving so fast. We're in Easter again, and it's 2019. Jeez. Um, it's fast, guys. It's fast. Uh, it is too fast. That is true. Uh, this Jesus effect, I talked about and been teasing about for the last few weeks, and last week I hit on um, this concept and this thing that we all are familiar with, and that is going after our city, reaching our city. And um, I really believe that that is a season that... That is interesting. Huh. We're good. Yeah. No, that's not the Holy Spirit. That... <laughs> I want to stay. Don't please leave. That's the spirit. No. Okay. Um, so the Jesus effect. We talked about going after our city. And, um, and you know what? It's one of those things that I think we, we subconsciously know and agree. Like who would say, no, let's not go after our city. Raise your hand. Uh, thank you because that would be weird. But, but it's something that we all know. And... Uh, and we know this because we read it in Scripture. We know this is because um, Jesus went after the cities and the villages that, um, that, was, that were around him when he was here. We know that he commissioned his disciples. And if you were here last week, you know because I read some stuff that basically indicated that. And uh, if you open up your Bible, you will see it over and over and over again. Um, God is not just about transforming an individual person so that they can continue to live a life that's full of themselves. He did not save us for, our, for us, but he saved us for others. And he stepped into our lives so that we could um, help people find this Jesus so that he can step into their life. And the thing with reaching the city, it may seem like a very daunting task and very intangible because we can go around saying, you know, Let's, we're going to go after the city, we're going to go after the city. But, but what does it look like? To go after our city? What does it look like tangibly and, and practically? We read in Scripture, and uh, Matthew writes, and if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to go ahead and read uh, some portions of it. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38. Something has to trigger us in order for us to go after our city, because if we just do it just to obey, then that is going to run its course, and we're going to do it grudgingly and not, not in a way where we are called to do. And we're probably going to cause more damage than anything. We're like, oh, okay, so you know Jesus? All right, come on, hurry up, buddy. You know, I don't got all day here, you know. <laughs> uh, there's something about doing something joyfully because when it transforms your life, it has the potential to transform someone else's life, right? And you know yourself in such a way where if God can shift things in your life, that should give you faith that God can shift things in someone else's life. Amen. Right? Like that's like, um, in Matthew chapter 9, we read this. And if you've been in church culture, you've read this before, so this is not a new passage. And I think, yeah, there we go. So Jesus continued going around to all the towns and villages. He took an Uber or a Lyft and then took airplanes to go across the nations to be with real poor people because that's what it means to go out into the world, right? He walked to towns and villages. Anybody want to walk to downtown Asheville in the rain? 
I mean, imagine if it's not raining and you're walking and it begins to rain. Like, what do you do then? You know what I'm saying? Well, if you're halfway there, you may, you know. But Jesus, is, it's, you know, I think that we, we, we tend to, like, like, decorate a simple account that Jesus continually, not just once or twice, but he continually went from village to village, town to town, despite the weather. Some people love the rain, so they'll go in the rain. But what about in the heat? What about in the discomforts of having a journey or a town that, that takes you longer than one day to walk? Would you, go to, would you walk to a town that will take you three days to walk to? I mean, think about, think about that they had to be convicted they had to be convinced that what they were carrying was worth their sweat and tears and time to go after the cities and towns and villages of their day. So he went there and he teaching in their synagogues. He was preaching the good news, the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowd, and this is where the whole thing really has to shift within our lives, when he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them. Jesus felt compassion for them. And I would like to submit this morning that we will never reach the city until we have compassion for our city. So before we can go all out there, we have to figure out, Jesus, do I have compassion for our city? And this will directly conflict with what kind of gospel you and I believe. We have a self-centered gospel, which basically means if it's not in my sphere of comfort, it's not for me. So Jesus died for me. He's going to make me feel good. He's going to open doors in my life. He's going to give me the job, give me the girl or the guy, give me the promotion, give me the ministry. He's going to do all these things for me. And that satisfies us enough. And if that is you or I, I would challenge that because that is a very self-centered gospel, which is, in essence, a false gospel. Because there are two kingdoms, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. But the kingdom of darkness is not going to come at you and say, hey, why don't you go kill somebody? Hey, why don't you go do some drugs? Hey, why don't you go live for yourself? Hey, why don't you do this? It's not going to come at you where you where you're like red flags, like, oh, I don't know, that's weird. No, it's going to be like, hey, buddy, what's up? Like slowly lure you in and justifying your behavior and even bringing other people's faults into your sight so that you can look at them and say, well, see, they're a Christian, but look what they did. So then I can do what I want to do. And how many of us have used other people's issues, life, and situations to excuse our selfish journeys and directions? I think every single person can confess that, yeah, that has been me. Like I go to church or I do this thing or I don't do this thing and, and we, we, it's all about us. It's like, this is, how is it going to make me feel? How, you know, if I'm going to tithe, what is God going to do in return for me? If I'm going to show up on Sunday, what is, that gonna, what God, what is God going to do? Is he going to really open up this job contract for me on Monday? If it's raining, are there more, you know, uh, brownie points? If it's too hot, is God going to be like, oh, you're suffering for me. You know, on your way to church because your AC is broken in, your, in the car, I will definitely make sure that that girl goes on a date with you or, you know, or you get a discount to the movie that you want to see or whatever you're asking for. And a lot of times in our culture, we have created this gospel that's, that's, self, that's, um, that's around us. It's a self-centered gospel. And I think that is one of the reasons why it's, a hard, it's hard for us to actually go out and, and really uh, reach the city because we basically look at our own life and say, is this going to inconvenience me? And if you were to talk to yourself like that, you'd rebuke yourself. So the enemy doesn't operate like that. He just gives you thoughts like, oh, you have this thing to do. Oh, you have this thing to do. Or what about this? And all of a sudden you're distracted or you don't have enough time or whatever your excuses are. Satan will do whatever he can to keep you from stepping out of your self-absorbed gospel. 
We have to know that he is after doing that. So you have the gospel of the darkness, which is where this world is. And so Satan's trying to keep us, who are the people of the kingdom of light, from entering the kingdom of darkness. Because Satan knows that when light enters dark, dark cannot stay. So Jesus is not just telling his disciples, go and do and, and go into the villages. He's going himself on a journey. And what is amazing is what's amazing about where Jesus' compassion comes in, and I think for me this, is, this changes everything, but if you read in verse 36, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, when he saw, um, the, when he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them. And then the next line, because, because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus is not just describing the people of his day. He's describing the kingdom of darkness. He's describing your work environment. He's describing your neighborhood. He's describing your city. He's describing what is truly happening out there. And I know sometimes people who don't believe in God, who have not submitted their life to God, I know that sometimes it feels like and it seems like they're, they're, being, they're very successful. They're, they're maybe uh, financially wealthy or influential or all those other things. And, and so we, sometimes we look at them and we're like, well, you know, what, what's going on there? But Jesus is after the condition of people's hearts. And he knows that all of these things, they're here tomorrow, they're gone today, uh, uh, here today, gone tomorrow. And what's really left is the person in the mirror. And Satan has come to kill, steal, and destroy. So everywhere you see death, destruction, or robbery, you know that Satan's handprint is there. You, and, you, and you and I also know that if Satan is there, that means that we are responsible to bring in light, light where there is dark. Now, Jesus, we read in verse 36... He felt compassion for them because he was exposed to their condition. It is hard, and I would even say impossible, for us to have compassion over something that's faceless and nameless. So in essence, for us to go after our city, our city right now is faceless and nameless. And so it is impossible for us to actually have compassion just because we know that we need to go after our city. We're not going to be like, okay, let's go after our city. There's no connecting point. The city is just like an objective thing, like villages and towns. Jesus was not describing villages and towns. He was describing the people who live in these villages and towns. There was an association. There was a face and a name associated which br brings Jesus to this place where he's compassionate. He's sympathetic. He is empathetic to those around him which triggers this passion and this desire to bring in the kingdom of God. Verse 37, he tells his disciples, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Verse 38, Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. He's recognized something then when he was launching this, and, and in reality, that is always the case. There are always fewer people who are submitted to God to go after the cities that they live in. And Jesus is saying that the people out there who are not living in the kingdom of his light, who are, are unaware of the good news, he says they're, they're ripe, they are ready, they are waiting for somebody to shed light on their life. They are eager. The harvest basically is means like is people plow and work and, and, and plant seed. And then in season, 
There's a harvest that you got to go and you got to begin to gather. And gathering is not something that you just like, okay, let's go do it. It's a lot of hard work. It's manual work. It takes some time. And Jesus is saying that the harvest is ripe. People are desperate for freedom. People are desperate for hope. People are desperate to be loved. People are desperate for all these other things that they don't know what it is. They don't even have language for it. So they go and explore all that the world has to offer them. They explore all that the kingdom of darkness has to offer them, still searching, not realizing that what they're searching for is Jesus. And we have become in our culture hoarders of Jesus. Are you a Jesus hoarder? (laughs) Hashtag, make that go viral. (laughs) So what we're talking about here is there's a problem in in our culture. and, And since we're in America, we have to do things differently because... I think we have uh, become really comfortable. And so um, the message today and something that, we've, that I've touched on yesterday or last week is, is pretty much about being intentional and adopting not just our city, but our city has names and faces. And so intentional adoption, or as you may know as outreach or evangelism, we're calling it intentional adoption um, because I think that we misunderstand the purpose of it. Many of us have been raised and brought up, and there's nothing wrong with it, but to the extent that we just invite people to church, right? And like for Easter, this is great because most likely then on this weekend, next weekend, then any other weekend, people will probably come. And, and if, you, if you invite them, if you talk with them, they'll probably come because it's, as a culture, we have these two or three big days in church culture. You have Easter, Christmas, and Mother's Day. I mean, it's like, it's like, boom. And even then, people rely on technology uh, and church budget to market and advertise, which is a real, real sad state because we almost have to be begged to go and be the light. But intentional adoption is about two things. It's about loving and serving those that are currently in our path or those that God puts in our path. Compassion is developed when we put a name and a face behind the city. And that's what we're going to do today. We will never develop compassion for something that's nameless and faceless. So if I can have a volunteer, if, if, who, who wants to volunteer come up to the stage and be embarrassed? All right, come on now. Stay over there, but this is going to be for something, for something that's after you. All right. So we have this. Uh, uh-huh, turn around. All right. All right. So right now, when we think of what, 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 what I'm talking about, and we're getting, you know, trying to step into engaging, when we say the city, we look at this. Someone who's uh, faceless and nameless. So we're like, yes, let's go after them, right? And the only thing that we have is, well, Jesus changed my life. All right, he should change your life. And they're looking at you like, huh? Or where, where's the card? Here, here's a card. I don't have a card. Here's a card. Come to church with me. Come to church with me, you know? But when, what we need to do is we need to have a face and a name behind it. So now if you turn around, okay, if you know who he is, just scratch that. <laughs> but now we have a, 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 someone that we can, you know, kind of, he's more tangible. It's a he, right? It's a he. The boy. <laughs> and so now we have a face that represents our city, okay? But this is um, not good enough because we look around and there's masses of people that we recognize they're humans, right? They're humans. And so now if we get a name, his name is Anthony, right? We're like, okay, cool. So Anthony. Now that's a little step closer. And if you just ask his name and that's all, then it's kind of like, okay, whatever. But if the goal is to put a name and the face together, the idea is not just to, to go after him as a human, but now to go after him as Anthony. Now, if all you see is Anthony, right? 
that still may not trigger compassion, right? Because all we see is like, okay, he has a face, he has a name. All right, I, I'm visual. I can compare it. I can, you know, start praying for this person. But it doesn't, doesn't really take us on this edge to go after um, Anthony on any way. I mean, if you're with me, just say, that's pretty, okay, yeah. He, he looks tough, right? He looks like, so, <laughs> so if you know that the kingdom of darkness is in operation, you know that Satan has probably done things in his life to cause destruction or death or theft. You know he has a past. You know he's wounded. So if I were to tell you that Anthony, right, he, um, he lost his job yesterday. No, that's not, that's not true. <laughs> But if I was to tell you that he lost his job yesterday, did something switch internally with you where you're like, oh, man, raise your hand if that happened to you. Like where you're like, oh, like that's called compassion. And compassion was triggered because you know something about him, something that happened that's bad, even though you may not be in a position to really help him, but now, now, now you relate to someone who has a face and a name. Are you with me? Okay. So what needs to happen is when we talk about our city, we have to put a face and a name behind our city and be able to engage in what's going on a little more deeper than just, hey, you're Anthony. Oh, great to meet you. Hey, you go to church anywhere? Oh, great. You are. That's great. Okay, see ya. Be blessed and then be on our way. Or you say, oh, you're not going to church anywhere. Here, come to church. All right, man, cool, and, and leave. Because for us, we feel like we've done our duty. But for Anthony, he's looking at you and like, you don't even know me. You don't know what just happened today or an hour ago last week or what's getting ready to happen to me in a week or two. You don't know if my wife just left me. You don't know if, if, I, if I have chronic pain. You don't know if I'm suffering any mental conditions. You don't know that my, my, my parents are getting divorced. You don't know about my siblings. You don't know about this. You don't know about that. You don't know about, and so it really comes across as really cold. On one side, we feel like we've done our duty. But on the other side, the person just looking at you like, okay, maybe they'll come. Maybe they won't come. But it becomes really, um, you know, um, cold way of going after people in our lives. And, and, and also you may be thinking like if, you know, if I'm walking and he's walking and I'm like, oh, I see this one guy. Okay, God, I'm going to go witness to him. And I go over there. Hey, man. So, okay. Now, for us, those who are Christians, it's like we know. We're thinking. We're rolling. He's looking at me and like, what are you selling? Oh, Jesus ain't for sale. Oh, so you want me to go to church? Or you want me to... That's a sale tactic. You know, I'm going to surface level. Hey, what's going on with you? Oh, okay, by the way, um, I have a meeting that can make you a lot of money in my house on Thursday at 7. Can you come? You know? What, what, no, I can't explain anything. Just come to my house. Dude, <laughs> let me pull out my concealed carry. Okay, thank you. When Jesus has encountered us, we know who Jesus is, then he has set us up automatically to be encounters for other people. And so what we need to do is we need to move from this cold call way of evangelizing people and asking them, hey, are you going to go to heaven? Are you going to go to hell when you die? People don't really care. They, they, they just want to know that you care for them. And in order for you to care for them, that has to be the objective. The objective is not to, to make sure that they accept Jesus when they pray the prayer. The objective is not for them to come to your church or to come to your, you know, uh, small group or crew or, or wherever. The objective that we all have, that we all need to have compassion for, is to meet people where they are, love them, and find a way that you can serve them. When you are, when you don't know who a person is, love is demonstrated by you engaging in this person with this person and through our engagement with a person we can develop compassion because we're not asking them so that jesus we can pray and jesus can meet all your needs no 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 you are the answered prayer for this person that jesus is going to use for you to meet their need 
So when you are familiar or aware of a situation, then you are in a position to reflect Jesus by serving them. So now, for example, that you know that, hey, you know, Anthony lost his job yesterday or a week ago, right? Okay, now you're in a position to serve them. And you serving them, you're serving him is not about where you are, but you're stepping into to where they are. And don't be discouraged because your objective is not to find them a job. Your objective is not even to maybe give them some money. But the truth is that you don't really know what God is going to ask of you to do. Until you're in the situation where you, are, you have encountered a person... Maybe things are good, maybe things are bad, but now you, you have no motives but to love and to serve this person. And, for, and maybe you know a person who can hire Anthony, or maybe all you can do is say, hey, I'm just going I'm, I'm to pray for you and pray that God shows up and, and, and makes, you know, aligns things and believe for this person. Maybe that's all you can do. And then you can ask your crew leader, say, hey, I bumped, you know, I bumped into this person. They lost their job. Let's just pray that, that, you know, that, that God sends something that, that, you know, their way. He has kids or doesn't have kids or whatever the little story is for their life. All of a sudden, there's a little more involved than just, I, you know, I invited them. I engaged them. I hope God is happy. God has put us on this earth to love and to serve because the kingdom of darkness is void of love and serving one another. Because the kingdom of darkness is about self. We are in the kingdom of light who are about others. We have to look through those lens. Um, 1 Thessalonians verse five, chapter, five, verse, uh, chapter 1 verse 5 says this. Because one of the things that I want to address is this fear. This, we have this fear of man. Um, and then I want to give some practical things for us this morning. Um, but this, this, we have this problem because the ultimate killer is the fear of man. Either you fear rejection by somebody or, or, or you live in a state of fear. And you have to understand that when we begin to go after our city, we read in 1 Thessalonians 1.5, because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full assurance you know how we lived among you for your benefit. What we're representing is not something that we've conjured up. When we're offering service to someone, we're not just offering ourselves, but we're representing a kingdom of God that is fully equipped and resourced. And the Spirit of God who, who basically does everything using us. Acts 1, 8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit is going to empower you, tell you, guide you. So this fear of man, we, a couple of things that I, that I want to kind of um, illustrate is that we are going to feel weird sometimes coming up to maybe a stranger, right? Praying for them or whatever, you know. But I just want to distill that this morning. When you realize that you are called to a spiritual battle, to a spiritual war, whenever you feel uncomfortable or weird or awkward presenting the kingdom of God, if you realize that that is a spiritual battle going on, it's not something for you to just get over or wait until it ceases. It's something that you have to figure out how do you manage this aspect that that basically is like a fear in our lives that we that keeps us from going out and and loving on people so we have to deal with this fear this awkward feeling and if we recognize that this is spiritual warfare that the soul of the person that you're talking to may be hanging in the balance that you're going to be engaged in something not just tangible so what's going to happen is satan's going to go after you psychological and mentally going to go after you to try to distract you from bringing the light to a soul that's in darkness and when you realize when you realize that this is a spiritual battle then you can embrace that awkward feeling you can embrace that, 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 that fear and turn that fear into, into risk 
and faith and say, oh, I know how I feel, why I feel like this. This is a spiritual battle and Satan, no. I'm going to go anyways. I'm going to share anyways. So there is going to be spiritual opposition. So if we recognize that that is spiritual opposition, let that trigger us to hurry up, to reach more people, to, to serve and love more people instead of going back into our comfortable lives. You know what I'm saying? So there is. But the other thing that, that I want us to understand is that there is a spiritual battle, so it's going to make us feel uncomfortable. But, but also know that God has already went before you. God has already gone before you. There may have been someone who's already talked with them. Maybe there's someone um, that, that, that they're going through a hard time and they just don't have nobody to talk to. Maybe, they're, maybe they're, they're, they're praying that God sends someone, you know, right now if God is real. And there's so many stories where people who don't believe are so desperate that they're asking God for signs. And God sends people who are obedient to their door. And the people are the answered prayer that this person who doesn't know Jesus has been praying. We always lean towards, well, if we get rejected, you know, yes, it's a 50-50-50, right? 50 yes, 50 no, and we always focus on the negative. What if they look at us weird? What if they think that we're like Jehovah's Witnesses if we knock on the door? What if we walk up to them, you know, and, and, and it doesn't go our way? Whatever, and we, yes, but what if we don't do it, then we know nothing's going to happen. But oh, what if we do, and they look at you and say, I just asked God to send somebody. What if they do and you impact not just them, but their kids and their families and their work environments? God has already won before you. God has already won before you. Also, God is also sending you and me. We are not going on our own accord. We're not just saying, all right, let's do this thing and, and taking everything into our capacity and our power, bringing what we have to offer to another person. No, we are bringing what God has to offer to this other person. It makes a big difference because we're taking the weight off of ourselves knowing that God is sending us. And if God is sending us, God has already been there before and he's already there. And so in a way, if you can picture this, because God is everywhere, he is waiting for you and he's sending you all at the same time. And the last thing is that God is going with you. You're not going by yourself. God is going with you. And so the Bible says that, that, that it, with apostles, he says, I'm going to place you in different environments, and you're not going to know what to say, but whenever you get there, I'm going to tell you what to say. That is one of the things that we have to break within our culture because we want someone to tell us everything. And we have to memorize the sheet, you know, the Romans road, the four spiritual laws. And so we go, all right, uh, do, Jesus, you know, um, have you ever had someone tell you about a movie that they've seen and they pull out some paperwork describing the plot and the scenes and stuff but to jesus we have made this formula where 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 oh no no you just go and if all you're going for is to love and serve people you don't need notes Now, I want to read this last passage, and, and we'll be done, and, and I'm going to pass something out because I want this to be, I want this to be really tangible uh, for us this week and in the weeks to come. So Luke 10, and I'm not, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read. There's a, there's a portion where Jesus, the story is that Jesus sends out 72 people, two by twos, into villages and towns. He's empowered them to go. He says, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord to the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. Verse 3, he says, now go. Now, verse 4, don't, don't carry anything. Verse 6, if, uh, and this is really cool. So verse 5, he says, um, um, oh, verse 4, let's do this. Don't carry any money bag, traveling bag, or sandals. Don't greet anyone along the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to the household. And this is uh, Luke 10, um, verse 6. Verse 6, Luke, yeah, Luke 10, verse 6. If a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. 
Then remain in the house, eating and drinking what they offer, for the worker is worthy of his wages. Don't move from house to house. When you enter any town and they welcome you, eat the things set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near. And when you enter any town and they don't welcome you, go out into the streets and say, we are wiping, our, uh, we, we are wiping off even the dust of, our, of your town that clings to our feet as a witness against you. Wow, these are some really, really, really strong words because we have grown to, to, to accept that God loves everyone and, and God's like this thing like, oh, no worries, no worries. No, when, when people reject the kingdom of God, I mean, it's a big, big deal. And God's not asking us to go and, and fight, you know, go and convert everybody, you know, be the one that everybody hates. No, no, no. He says, go. And, and it's strategic. He goes, go to every city and look for the person of peace. Look for the person of peace. And a person of peace is a person that maybe acknowledges your existence, gives you eye contact, you know, um, smiles at you. Um, you know, a lot of times we, we think of evangelism as going to the person who, who's ready to pounce on us and reject us. And that is like God's answer that I need to evangelize to this person. No, if a person rejects you, you walk away. How comfortable is that? You don't want it? All right. The kingdom of, of God has come near, you know. But if you find the person of peace. So what I want to do is um, this, this concept of the person of peace, I want to do some really practical stuff. And I got five minutes, so I'm going to go um, kind of uh, fast. But uh, if we can pass, grab these and pass these. Um, just grab one and pass the rest. Uh, one on this side. Oh, that would have been messy. There you go. And if we can get, just pass one back. And also pens. We're going to do this thing together. Uh, just grab a pen and, and grab some maybe for this if we have enough. So for me, I'm convinced that we have to go after our city. And I don't, I, I don't think that it's just a matter of something spiritual and supernatural that somehow things are going to happen. I think that we have to really step in. And God is very strategic. God is very orderly. So we have to put some things in place so that we can be effective. Right? I want to be effective. I just don't want to be busy. I want to be effective. So, as, we're, as you guys are being, we can turn up the house lights all the way if you guys can turn everything up. You guys ready? Oh, yeah. That'd be the opposite. All right. So, there are two categories of people in our lives. There is uh, one category of people um, or one kind of relationship where it's a passing relationship. It's a passing relationship. So uh, someone you meet on the street, someone you may meet at a wedding or a funeral perhaps, or at a, you know, a party that someone invited you or some sort of gathering that someone invited you. So it's someone that's a stranger that the chances of you actually developing a relationship with them is very slim, uh, maybe based on their distance or your interests or whatever. So it's just this relationship that you, you know, you bumped in with them, um, maybe someone on the street, like I said earlier, like, you know, uh, this is, in a lot of times when we think of evangelism, we think of this, where those passing relationships, where we find someone who's walking and we try to interrupt them to share the gospel with them. And we've nailed down uh, evangelism to that. And I think that's a portion of it, but that's a small portion of it. And until we begin to be able to go and do those things, we have to do something else, which is deal with the second category of people and those are the permanent relationships within our lives you have passive relationships and we have permanent relationships two categories of relationships um, when you when you're talking about the person of peace um, a lot of times it talks about those passing relationships those environments where you go in and you don't know anybody but but the, the love of God is burning in your heart and you and you just want to love and serve people so you kind of look around for the person of peace now in the regular relationships you have this sheet and and it has person of peace because I'm gonna go into I'm gonna start there so on your very very right this person of peace can also be um, let, let me back up so intense intentional adoption okay this is intentional so what I want to talk about is being intentional right now not just going after a person that's maybe a passing relationship um, I want to focus on this um, intentionality. So a person of peace. So, for example, you go to a grocery store, right? 
We go to a grocery store to Ingalls, uh, right? There's, a, there's one or Aldi that you go to on a regular basis. You guys have stores that you go to on a regular basis, right? Cafe shops, grocery stores, fast food joints, healthy food joints. Okay, good. <laughs> so if we are going to become intentional, now instead of going to the store, being on your phone, doing your thing, you walk into the store and say, all right, God. Here I am. Now you know you go to the store on a regular basis, weekly or bi-weekly or multiple times a week, whether it be Ingalls or Walmart or Aldi or Whole Foods or Target or wherever the stores you go to. Now instead of just going and doing something random, what if you begin to become strategic and go in a certain time to the same cashier and begin to develop a relationship with a person that you can see on a regular basis? They may not be your buddy, friend. You may not go to their house. You may not know any of that. But, but whenever they see you once, twice, third time, fourth time, now you're being intentional. You're not just inviting them to church on the get-go. You're trying to love and serve them. And so before you know it, you're going to develop a relationship with a cashier. And then you're going to ask about, oh, yeah, so how's your kid? Oh, how did the exam go? Or, or, or I heard that, that your father died. Or how's that going? And you're beginning to, to, to build a relationship with a person. And you're doing nothing abnormal except being intentional who you go and, and cash out at. When you grab your coffee, same thing. You know, go to the same person. Try to, try, try to really be very, very strategic. And so on this column, uh, find the person of peace. You begin to write down, you may not know their names, but say, okay, I go to Ingalls, I go to this place, I go to this place, and then begin to say, okay, intentionally, God, I'm going to start praying for everyone, and I'm, I'm going to ask you, God, to lead me to the person that is really needing it right now. And you want to know probably the time that, that, that your line is going to go fast, probably then. God's going to part the way. You ready to go? Here we go. This person needs your love right now. And you'd be so surprised how no one talks to these people, how everyone ignores them because they are too busy going to church, going to a Bible study, going to their families, going to whatever. So they're just there, and, 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 and they just need to be loved. Now, raise your hand. Who can do that? Every single person can do that. Why? Because this is still within your comfort zone. This is still something that you don't have to, you know, spend so much energy all you're doing is having conversation and as you're having conversations with these people you're praying and saying God show me when should I bring up what and God's gonna lead you I cannot tell you say this first say this second make sure you quote John 3 16 and John 3 17 don't, don't quote John 3, 18 because it's going to, you know, it's more like God. Like this, you and God are going to begin to develop a relationship because you and God are representing the kingdom of, of light and you're trying to expose this kingdom to a person. And when, when, when someone says they go to church, don't let that be a closed door because we have way too many churchgoers and not enough Christ followers. Think about that. So don't let that be something that you're like, oh, oh, well. Um, another place is your neighborhood. Some people, your neighbors are dangerous, so you don't go to your neighborhood. But some of your neighbors, <laughs> some of your neighbors, well, just don't go by yourself, you know. Um, sometimes God will tell you to do something, you know, and it's going to be odd and awkward. And, 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 you know, but when you're listening to God, when you learn how to discern His voice, and you go, you're going to see God show up in amazing, amazing ways. But some of your neighborhood, some of your neighbors, you don't know who they are, what they're going through. To give you an example, we have a neighbor across the street. Oh, we moved into this new neighborhood uh, development, and we had a couple that was uh, living. And, um, and so they were expecting this baby, you know, and, um, and so uh, we were kind of rejoicing with them, you know, and then they lost the baby, you know. So they had a funeral, and so we just, you know, you know, yeah, you should come to Easter to our church. Are you crazy? No, you don't say that. You know, I, all they need is to be loved right now. They need to just someone to, to know that, that, that we're th you're thinking about them. So you begin to pray and you begin to position yourself so that God can use you because maybe they're, 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 they're looking out your window and this couple is like, they're, they're trying to have a hard time with one baby and groceries. So you run out there and you try to help them, you know, or, or maybe they need some food, or maybe they need some groceries, or maybe they need some fun, money or, or, or support, or you don't really know what a person may need, but you're there, you're willing, and, you're, and it's, it's an opportunity. It's a huge, huge opportunity. 
So um, let me go through a, through a couple of coworkers. This is uh, a uh, uh, kind of more permanent relationship aspect of it because you just cannot go to them on a spiel because of your emotions. You have to be like, okay, let me find out who my people are that I work with every single day. Let me find out what their struggles are. Maybe let me find out, you know, what their families are like. Those are awesome environments to do that. And you know what's going to happen? Things are going to come up. Because remember, you're not on your own. God is in you. And because God is in you, he's going to begin to allow things to surface. And when things begin to surface, you're going to be in a position to be able to love on them, to be able to serve them in whichever capacity. So you're not sitting there, you know, giving them a track, hoping to avoid them on lunch break. You know, so what, did you, you know, did you say yes to Jesus yet? All right, I'll give you another day or two. I mean, and then they, they say yes to Jesus, and then what do you do? You know, <laughs> so this is more of intentionality. This is not just, you know, you're, you're basically saying, you know, what if I adopt my neighborhood? What if I adopt the place that I work at? What if I adopt these people, and whenever I adopt them now, I, I'll adopt them maybe for a year. Say, God, for a year, I'm going to begin to engage these people and intentionally find opportunities where I can shine where Jesus can be manifested through me, where I can be the encounter that they're waiting for. And so with our coworkers, neighbors I mentioned already, friends. We have a lot of friends, right? And a lot of times um, our friendships, you know, it's probably the easiest place where we may find out that something's happening with a person. And so if you're just hanging out and there's nothing really happening, you're just friends, friends, friends. But you know, most of the people that I know, my friends, you know, they have a lot of God questions. They have a lot of misunderstandings. They have a lot of issues that they're going through, you know, because friends, what do they do? They go like, hey, I'm good. And inside, they're rotting away. They're, they're trying to reach out, you know, to someone to care for them, to love them, to answer a question. Because what we do the same thing, right? How's life? I'm good. And we're friends. And then somebody like, boom, loses it. And we're like, I don't even know what's going on. I didn't know that at all. And they're your friends and you have no clue. Why? Because we're not intentional. We're not intentional with our relationships. Um, and the last one is a family, immediate or extended. We, we all have family. Um, some of them good relationships, some of them bad relationships. So what I'm not saying is to go and, um, and just kind of like call all your family up to, today after church, you know, and, and, and no, no, this has to be intentional. This has to be intentional. Um, for example, you know, all of us have a birthday. Who has a birthday? Right? All your family, friends, they all have birthdays, and Facebook makes it, really, makes it really easy even to be able to wish people happy birthdays, right? You know, just congrats, you know. Um, but what if instead of just writing congrats, you actually become intentional about what you write and say congrats and pr actually pray and say, God, what do they need to hear right now? You know, and just maybe s spend an, an extra few minutes crafting a message that you're basically invited into, a conversation that you're already invited into because it's their birthday. Maybe one of your family members or extended family members has a birthday and just call them. Maybe you've fought, maybe you don't see eye to eye, but call them or text them. And if all you can do is just say, hey, I know I haven't touched base with you in 10 years, but I just wanted to wish you a happy birthday. You know, you have no agenda, you have no motive. All you're doing is loving and caring for them. I mean, who says that's pretty simple? I mean, this is really, really like, 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 like simple stuff that I think that we just kind of like, you know, someone else's responsibility. What if someone reached out to your husband about Jesus, even though your husband or wife may be Christian, but someone went out and said, hey, I just want to let you know that Jesus loves you, that he sees what you're doing, you're amazing, and that's it. Like, wouldn't that like light up your house? Like, someone told me that Jesus loves me, and I know he loves me, but wow. You know, we need more of that. We need more of this connectivity, connecting with one another. And we have opportunities all over the place. So what we're going to do today, and I promise I'm done. You've probably already seen it. The first thing that we do, the first thing that we do to be intentional is, the Bible says, put your vision on paper so it's easily understood. So the only thing, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to write down the names that come to mind. So all your family, you don't have to do it right this very second, but begin to just list all the family, immediate and extended. You can make copies of this. I can send you some more. And just begin to write it all out. All your families, write out all your friends, write out all your neighbors, even if you don't know where the, what the names are, but just write down the house number, 
house number 12, house number this, house number that. Write down all your coworkers' name, names. And then, um, and, and then as you begin to find people of, of um, peace in the places that you are every single day, begin to jot their names down. And so the first thing that you do, and this is something that you may do for the first few weeks or even a month, is just begin to pray for your list every single day. That's the first step. You write it all down and you begin to pray for them so that God not gives you opportunities but shows you opportunities to engage with all these people on your list. So as a church, and if you're, if you're, if you're a guest here, I'm glad that you're here, but feel free to do the same thing. You don't have to be part of this church. We're not asking people to invite people to this church or to that church. All we're doing is, is opening up our lives and our hearts to love and serve people. So what I'm going to do as we, as we basically done, we were going to sing a song, but we're not going to do that anymore. I'm just going to pray us out. And I just want this to kind of like sit on our hearts. And um, this list, it, it, you know, you may, this is really important. Like if you don't fill out this list by Easter, don't come to Easter. No, I'm just joking. But this list is important because this shows your intentionality. This shows our intentionality. So this may take you all week to, to jot everybody down, but everyone that comes to your mind, specifically those that are not saved, those that are lost, those that are even hurting, you know, primarily those who are like far from God or very even religious, and they're just write, write them all down and, so, and begin to engage in prayer with this thing. Does this make sense? This is really, I hope this is really, really practical, and um, I know it's a little longer, but I just really, I think that, that if we can... If we can see it, if we can make it tangible, we can actually begin to live lives that are intentional. And the city's going to be reached not by some mystical spirit or, or anything that's like, whoa, what in the world happened? No, there's going to be intentionality. We're going to be praying for those individuals. We're going to put faces and names of our city on this, on this sheet of paper. And in this room alone, this can represent 500 people, 500 faces, 500 names that we're going to start praying for, not just you on a day basis but our church collectively we're going to begin to pray and pray and pray and I promise you that when you have set yourself up for God to use you you God will use you are you ready for this raise your hand if you're ready for this say I am ready I am ready all right father God I thank you if you guys can all rise on your feet thank you God for all that you've done thank you father for giving us families and friends and co-workers and neighbors and, and those that we brush our shoulders with maybe on a daily basis, Father, I pray that you create and, and, and allow this compassion for all these people that we are already, that are already in our path, Father, that we begin to be the light and begin to know how to serve them and love them, Father. And I thank you for each person that is here, God, because this is how a revolution happens in the city. This is how you move in, in, in the city, God, is you use people who are completely and have completely laid their lives for you and have submitted their lives for you to use and to work through God. And I thank you for each individual person, Father. I thank you for all the names that are going to be written down on this list, Father. And I thank you for all the stories that are already being created, Father, because of your people. In Jesus' name, amen.